0: Hello out there everyone and welcome to a special edition of None But The Brave presented by Evergreen Podcast. We are live in Tampa, Florida. where at 8.02 Eastern this evening. Bruce Springsteen and the East Street Band kicked off their first tour in six years. I've been waiting a long time to open the show with this question. Flynn, your thoughts on opening night?
1: <laughs> it was one of the better opening nights that I've seen. I've Going back to the beginning of the reunion tour, I've actually been at. Either the first rehearsal show or, or the first actual proper show of the tour. And this one may have been the best one. I thought they were really, they were on. Bruce was on. The, the emotion, it was the emotion. Incredible. Emotional high points, I think, were what the show was about. Coming on, no surrender. The crowd singing along, singing the, the backing vocals, you know, at the beginning of the song. And then the way the crowd was so into Ghost. That really, that hit me hard. And of course, and I was thinking of of a friend of mine who who, who we lost um, a couple years ago, who, Holly, people, I think people know who Holly is. She passed away from cancer at the end of 2020. And I thought of her during during Ghost and got to say the the tear duct started started flowing. And so he hit emotional high points. And then he he continued on with uh, Last Man Standing and obviously the closer, I'll see you in my dreams.
0: It was a tight narrative. It starts with No Surrender. It goes into Ghosts. The story he tells about George Theese before Last Man Standing, that one really hit me. And I just thought his performance in general was off the charts great. I mean, this man is 73 years old now. How the hell is he doing it? The physicality, his voice, everything was just dead on. As you say, we've seen a lot of the opening nights. They've never been this good before. They were ready to go, and the crowd was ready as well. Anyone who had doubts thinking there were going to be empty seats or people upset about the pricing, none of that was present in the arena. We understand, of course, that there are people out there who still feel that way, but in the building, everyone was flying.
1: Oh, absolutely. If there were people... I'm not going to mention any names, who were actually seemed to be rooting for Bruce to come out and see empty seats or an unenthusiastic audience. That did not happen. This crowd was in it from note one. I looked around. Uh, people were standing during Ghost. And obviously, when they got to Born to Run, the entire building is standing up. They were into it. This, this crowd, I mean, you know, the whole, Bruce was in concert with the audience. You know, the, they need the audience to bring the noise, as he said in 2009. And... And they they really brought it tonight, and I was amazed just how much the audience sang along to "Ghost." I think that shocked the hell out of me.
0: I also could not believe how big the response was to "Ghosts." I was personally waiting since the day we heard that song for the first time to see it live, and it was so great. And to hear the crowd response, it, I I'm really blown away. I, you know, and after all these years, to say that, to to see what took place tonight. It was really one of my favorite shows of all time. Now, differentiate between favorite and best. I am not saying it was one of the best shows I've ever seen, although it was an incredibly high quality show. But one of the favorite shows I've seen because we were all there, such a large group of us, all of our friends, some, as you pointed out, not with us anymore. And just to have all of that come into place. and, And when they took the stage and I really, really enjoyed it, and we're going to break everything down in a new episode that will take a broader look at the set list and go through a lot more in detail at all this stuff, but we wanted to get on tonight and have our initial reactions, and just A-plus for Bruce, (laughs) I mean, there's...
1: Yeah, they uh, he, he brought it. He, they were they were ready. I, we, you and I had talked about the fact that it didn't seem like they had been doing a lot of rehearsing. Uh, even with whatever rehearsing they did in Trenton, which wasn't widely known. And then obviously, not obviously, but they, we heard they did a couple shows, a couple run-throughs here in Tampa at the arena. And even that, I was just like, I don't know if they're going to be ready, but but they were.
0: Well, I think it was like we talked about in the show we did previewing the tour. It seemed like he had a plan. And he was ready to execute the plan. And what they did was they just kept playing that show over and over because it was very similar to the rehearsal notes we heard from the Vogel. And they were just on. It, it, it was a, it really was amazing. And the expanded band, what was interesting was when they took the stage, it was just the Corey e Street Band. And uh, what's the uh, gentleman's name from Steve? Anthony Almonte, I think it is. I don't I know I apologize exactly. if I got that wrong. We're going to have to clear this up when we have... We're doing this show a lot different than we normally do it. We normally record the show, we edit the show, this is the first time we're doing one live to tape, so if you're listening to us for the first time, no, this is not our usual show and go back and listen to some of the other episodes, which are going to be a hell of a lot more polished.
1: Yeah, we usually have our computers in front of us with, with connected to the web, looking up uh, looking up set lists, looking up band lineups and and yeah, there were three people on that stage who I did not rec- recognize. Uh, yeah, one
0: of the backup singers, and I didn't catch who Bruce, uh, what her name was when
1: I, Bruce. I didn't catch. Bruce it.
0: introduced the band. I
1: didn't catch it either, and I didn't catch the guy on trombone all the way to the left. Uh, unfortunately, Clark Gayton
0: wasn't able to join the tour this year, this time around, but Ozzie Melendez, I think he said, "We're we're going to get every, and this is going to be reported <laughs> on the net. You don't need it from us right at this second. The band was. Very large, as we discussed. I think it was twenty people, and it was it was interesting how he utilized them. As I was just saying, because he didn't have everyone on the stage when they took when they first entered the stage to start the show. And then it appeared to me, I think the singers showed up around Promised Land. Yes, and then the horns came a little bit later. Was it Kitty's back?
1: Yes. Right before Katie's back, yeah. I would like to. I, we should point out though that the percussionist did come out at the start of the yes. show. He was there with, with the rest of the what we would call the core band at this point. Uh, and speaking of the percussionist, whose name we don't know. And Curtis King. I mean, we we got a couple of uh, a couple of guys who were like the gun show is here. I, mean, who's, I don't know who's bigger, who has bigger biceps, but that was that was fun yeah, to watch they, too. There
0: are some people on that stage who are in really great shape, <laughs> including the lead singer and lead guitarist. Because, I it really how is he doing it? How how is this possible after all this time? Fifty years after greetings and. It, I don't know. I'm just (laughs) speechless. I I really, what we saw tonight really knocked me out. And I really didn't, not that I didn't have expectations that the show would be good, because I really did think it was going to be good. And I really wanted to be here. And I know you really wanted to be here. But it was well beyond anything that I could have possibly expected. Now, as I say, we're going to get into the set list in a broader sense, probably in our next episode. But just generally, what did you think? What were some of the high points?
1: Uh, for me, uh, Ghost. I was. I feel like one of the one of the later rehearsals that we read about did not have Ghost, and I, I was getting. I was quite worried about that. And then we never heard about them doing Burning Train, which they did tonight. It opened the encores. Um, I wasn't really really wild about some of the backing vocals on that, but I I but I thought it worked. It worked spectacularly. I, 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 I did mean, not
0: think it worked as well. There were two of the new songs. Letter to You certainly did not go over as well as Ghosts. And I thought Burning Train was a little weird to open the encores. It se- when Born to Run started right out of it, it seemed like the crowd was knocked a little off kilter. Did you sense that like, for, it took a little bit of time for the crowd to realize it was Born to Run? Uh, actually,
1: I think it even took me a couple seconds to realize it was Born to Run.
0: Yeah, it was It was a little bit weird. And... and We've seen, uh, we talked about the rising opening night, which went way off the rails. This was the furthest thing from that. There were some mistakes. I did see Bruce go over to Max at the end of House of a Thousand Guitars, and he said, that was my fault. So there was something in there. And I, it did seem they were a little off towards the end. Uh, as we had discussed in the last episode of the House of Thousand Guitars Backstreet Pairing, even though it was not seamless, there was a mm. brief pause in between. Oh my god, that was monumental. And then
1: Backstreets into because of the night, right? Yeah, and
0: Because of the Night was great. For all yeah, the talk actually, that- Yes,
1: I know. I I agree. I I it was a song that you know, I heard a lot on the last tour because he played it every night and I was ready for him to give Nils a different spotlight song, but I got to say I was I was into it tonight and and one of the things I do want to point out again about some of the songs, they were pretty concise. Yes. I I got the feeling that well in terms of because the night, Nils' solo did not go on... No. ...nearly as long as it did six years ago.
0: No, it was really well done. I thought Nils was great on that. I, the entire band, they really showed something tonight. And for the people who are going to be seeing shows over the coming weeks and probably for the next 18 months, <laughs> this is really something to look forward to. Uh, you just never know. Uh, even at the start of 2016, I thought that Bruce seemed a little off at, at the start of the River Tour. And it took them a little time to get into it. They were just ready, ready to go tonight. And I think the crowd loved it. I think mm. the band loved it. Bruce was beaming at the end. And he really, at, when he finished, I'll see you in my dreams. And he took the triumphant steps off the stage I think he went back to his hotel, or maybe he's going home to Jersey, I don't know. But wherever he is right now, I think he is really pleased with what happened at Amelie Arena tonight.
1: Well, I, th- I think he should be. They came out, they hadn't been on the road, I'd like to say, six years, and and it seemed like they really didn't miss much of a beat.
0: That was a point, I think, that we had made a little bit in the rehearsal show, that even for us, that we felt that everything would feel fresh because of the gap since they last played... And that really was the case. I I thought all the songs... And and we're not people who get down on stuff. We like the shows. We want to be there. We enjoy the shows. But there are certain songs I think we'd sometimes rather not hear. But, you know, Out in the Street Tonight was Electric. Yes, it was. And The Rising, which is not a song I think that falls into that category. The Rising is a very, very important song, not only in the catalog, but also as he's constructed this set. When he was singing The Dream of Lifelines, and that had followed Wrecking Ball, which also ties into the theme, and I think speaks very heavily to where he sees himself at the moment. Yeah. As I say, I think he had a plan. He just executed it beautifully.
1: Yes, ab- absolutely. Uh, I was wrong. There was no uh, there was no extra string string instrument musician on stage. I didn't see one. Did you? No, that's true. And you had heard the same thing. Yeah, right? Right. yeah. So, that's
0: that's true. So
1: I guess those whispers were were incorrect. And uh, but I didn't didn't miss her, did miss him or her, whatever whatever gender they were going to be. And. The rest of the band, uh, they they were fine. Uh, it's 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 they're fun to watch. The backup singers on some of the songs, "Dancing in the Dark" particularly, I felt like they were kind of uh, doing the uh, uh, the Carlton, you know, yes. which 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 you know famously called the the actor Alfonso Ribeiro. I think I'm saying his name right. Copied from Bruce's "Dancing in the Dark" video, and they were doing that as at the start of the song of, of dancing, and it was fun to watch. And it's going to be. Uh, It's going to be fun to watch over the course of the next uh, 18, whatever, how many months they're going to be on the road.
0: And important to note, no dancers on stage for dancing from the audience. Clearly, there's not going to be a lot of audience contact. Now, there is an extension from the center of the stage that allows Bruce to come out, like the one that was there in 2016. He did come out quite a bit. But other than the Born to Run strumming, which is brief, he really did not have any contact with an audience member.
1: No, and and that's fine. I actually like the fact that... Going back to what I said about a lot of the songs being more concise than they were six years ago, was "Dancing in the Dark," because of that we didn't have eight minutes of Bruce pulling six people on stage and dancing for five minutes. It was, it was. They played the song. I don't know how, how exactly how long each song was, but it seemed it was the perfect length And for those of you who are
0: wondering, it just seems very, very unlikely that at any point on this tour, there will be any children on stage (laughs) for sunny day. Maybe the song will be played and I think it'll be quite different without the child participation, but that appears to be a thing of the past. and we heard that they are being very protective. The The band members are not going to be interacting with a lot of random people. So it, that is something that's going to be different this year. And, and as you say, it does make the show more compact because, you're right, dancing, it got a little ridiculous in 2016. Even though some people we know wound up on stage, and that's very cool, but the song doesn't need to be eight and a half minutes.
1: No, not at all. And I, I think Wrecking Ball was another song tonight where he kept it pretty... Pretty concise, compact, uh, focused. I think that would be the a, a good word for this. And he's, I there was definitely some times. I'm sure he's going to bloat some things out, like Badlands down in the street. I'm sure we'll we'll end up getting another false ending or two. But for the time being, it was uh, everything was pretty much hitting the perfect notes. Yeah,
0: I thought Badlands was like a steamroller tonight. I mean, it was wow. <laughs> Yeah,
1: yeah, they, yeah, everything that was we might have been kind of jaded by six years ago, ten years ago, we we were not tonight. Uh, everything sounded great.
0: Yeah, and we really, uh, in all honesty, we don't get jaded that much. I mean, I, there I, are some. I of, do, I do, you do, I do. I I, I really love being there, and and there are t- have been times where I go, okay, I've seen enough for a little while, and. I drop off and I don't see as many shows, but the shows that I attend, I really try to be in the moment and enjoy them. And that was the thing tonight. I loved the show. Every second from the moment they came on stage, I felt so good. I felt so engaged. Everyone around me felt the same way, I think. The smiles on people's faces you know, and at the end of the night, what else is there to ask for? It—that's it, what rock and roll does. And I think I used the words "life affirming" earlier in the episode. That's what it was. I mean, I, we were all glad to be alive tonight. Yeah. You know, and and that's what the theme of the show I think is. Yeah,
1: familiar faces around us, and yeah. that's how it, it felt good that way. We, as Hal said, we stood with a lot of friends that we hadn't we really hadn't seen at shows in, in years, and it was great to see them. It's great to be around them. Some some friends also you know we're good friends with 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 Holly and so we we thought about her quite quite a bit tonight yeah and i was i was present all night i was focused on the show a lot of times in the past I'm, i i have wandered away mentally but tonight i w- i was right there the whole time
0: i just watched almost famous about a week ago and it makes me think so much of it's all happening from that movie and and when we get together with our friends it really the experience that Cameron Crowe described when he was a teen in that movie really is still a large part of our lives. You just mentioned we didn't see certain people for years in between shows. And it was like we picked up and it was like things never stopped. And it was like Bruce never stopped. And that's why we go again and again to experience that and to feel that passion. And I just... Right now, I'm feeling really, really good.
1: I'm going to use one more word. Yeah? Cathartic. Yeah. I think tonight was a very cathartic I, I, show. And I
0: think for Bruce as well.
1: I'm sure it was. Uh, I I had some, let me, without going into detail, I had some not-so-good times over the last uh, three or four years, and it felt good to be there. There were times over the over the last four or five years when I didn't think I'd, I'd see them again, just to, to, because of the pandemic. And who knew what was going to be? Who was going to be standing when the pandemic ended and to be there and to know that these guys are still playing and playing well and being there with them in concert was it was it was cathartic
0: it really was and i just want to take a moment to tell everyone about our new patreon page if you're already a listener to our show and love it nothing is going to change it will be on your favorite podcast platform twice a month just like it always is and if you want more content from us, we're doing what we think is a lot of fun extras for the tour, including we're going to be doing some live streams where we take questions from the audience probably once a month. And if you want, go and check it out at patreon.com backslash podcast. Now, getting back to tonight before we wrap things up, uh, did you have a favorite moment of the show? Ghost. Okay. I, I have to say, Ghost was one of my favorite moments. But really, his performance of Last Man Standing, and I don't know if we mentioned this, Last Man Standing was solo acoustic. Yes. And it was note perfect. And it caught me by surprise. I, I think some of the rehearsal set lists we saw had Darlington coming after Johnny 99, right? I believe so. And that, Darlington was left out entirely. And we probably didn't see Last Man Standing on a rehearsal list because, like we speculated with I'll See You in My Dreams, the songs he's doing solo acoustic don't need to be rehearsed when the band is there.
1: Exactly, and, and, he, and he told a nice story before the song. It kind of it's it sounded exactly like something he would have done on Broadway. Yeah, and actually, I was kind of I don't say. It was too much like it was on Broadway. Like, it didn't feel like he was talking to us. He was talking at us during the, during that portion. That was my feeling I got.
0: I didn't feel that as much. I, I found it to be very emotional. I think the entire set was constructed, as we were saying, to be very emotional. And, and one other thing, he never mentioned the pandemic, but yet it was there.
1: <laughs> Interesting. It, okay. You don't
0: think it was a, a current running through the entire set list, the about the passion for living and being the last man standing and, and no. I'll see you in my dreams. I just felt like, even though it was never mentioned, it was there.
1: Well, for me, that was the when the chorus or the refrain of Ghost. I'm alive, and I'm out here on my own. I, I was going to be disappointed if I couldn't yell that at, and, the, at the show tonight.
0: And the show opened with no surrender, which, again, is not a comment on the pandemic, and it really fits well. We busted out of class. We learned more from a three-minute record than we ever learned in school. That fits with the rest of the theme, the idea that uh, growing up as a rock star from 15 years old, with Do- George Theis, to standing on that stage tonight. No Surrender makes perfect sense as the opener for that set of songs, but also coming out of the pandemic, No, no Retreat, No Surrender, You can't ignore that either.
1: Not at all. And it was a perfect song. I think some of the earlier set lists, rehearsal set lists that we saw opened with Ghost. And while we would have loved that, I think the show was much better opening with No Surrender.
0: All right, so let's wrap it up. Just to let everyone know what we're going to be doing, we're going to do a short episode next week, which will be on Patreon, but open to everyone, not just subscribers. And then we'll be back in probably about 10 days or so with an episode on evergreen that will be on apple podcast google anywhere you get your podcasts and we just uh, one last thing uh several people came up to us tonight at the show and we're talking about listening to the podcast and how much they were enjoying it and that really meant a lot to us if you were one of those people and you're listening we, we really appreciated that
1: yeah it was i mean so good to hear just the fact that we're you know, we've been talking about Bruce for, I mean, literally 25 years, right, Hal? Yeah. You and I. And so the fact that we, you know, we just said, well, let's hit record. And now people really appreciate hearing us talk about Bruce. I mean, that's, it's a, it's a, it's a very special feeling. Yeah.
0: Really, it is. So here's our end spiel. None But The Brave is a presentation of Evergreen Podcast. It's produced by Bull Market Entertainment. If you want to find us on Twitter, we're at Podcast. As I said, our new Patreon is patreon.com backslash podcast.
1: So for House Schwartz, I'm Flynn McLean saying thanks for listening, and we'll see you further on up the road. Hey, everyone. This is Tuck from Fit for a King, in off-road minivan. Every week I bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast, Get Tucked. Join me every Monday with bands like Counterparts, Crystal Lake, like Moths to Flames, and many more. We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through Sound Talent Media.